I'm Red Robinson, and these are the Legends of Rock. Little Anthony and the Imperials' first record, Tears on My Pillow, was an instant hit in 1958. I asked Anthony where the little part of his name originated. Alan Freed, in 1958, for some reason, we never found out, started saying that. There are all kinds of theories. I never got to see him. You know, I really didn't work with Alan. I, early I worked with him, but when he starts saying Little Anthony, I never found out from him why or what was his reasoning. Because I've had people tell me, well, it's because you sound little or you, you know, it's just all kinds of theories. Yeah. But he starts saying that and, and it's really strange because I used to run into people and say, well, you don't look little. You no, I, I mean, you don't. I'm not. That's but right. just, it's a tag. It's like anything. Once it, it catches on, uh, that's it. I mean, it just, it, it just caught on and it stayed. They reprinted the records, you know, because the, the original records was the Imperials. That's right. Yeah. See? But did Alan Freed, how did you come to meet him, uh, Anthony? Well, well, I met him when I was a young, young, young teen, teenager, 15 years old, when I was with a local group in New York, in Brooklyn, called the DuPonts. And I got to meet his manager, and somehow finagling around or something, we got to open the show. And so oh. I got to meet him. Uh, that was the only time. And then the year, uh, a couple of years went by, of course, I went with the group called the Chesters, and then they, they in turn changed our name to the Imperials. And, but I never actually worked with him again, so, nor did I see him physically again. Isn't that interesting? Isn't interesting, isn't it? And I don't know why that was. I mean, it, there's no, it's not like, you know, no. I wish I'd find, I would like to find that way. But one nice thing about uh, Alan Freed, at a time when America was, it was all white music or it wasn't, he gave breaks <laughs> to young entertainers that were black. And yeah, well, you see, he did most of his thing. His, he, when he was in Cleveland, yes. where he began, and he was known as Moondog. Right. Okay. Then he was sued by some person that. It's a hermit kind he, of. Guy. Some guy, yeah, we'll run around here. Uh, and he was playing this, which, which, which was called race music, R&B, rhythm and blues music. And he was the only Caucasian disc jockey was doing that in all of America. Nobody, nobody was doing it. Nowhere, Canada, Mexico, nowhere. No. He was the only one doing this because for one of the reasons why I found out he loved the music, right? And he wanted to do something entirely different from the other. The Frankie Lane. Yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Right, that kind of thing. And, um, and so he started doing that in Cleveland. He was very successful, but he needed a bigger city, right? You know, that's why they're putting the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. In Cleveland see? So he came out of Cleveland, as I got it. And he ended up in New York City, and that's where it hit. The, uh, no, he went upstate. Then he came down in New York City, and that's where it blew open. But when I remember as a kid, when I used to hear this radio sh show, I thought he was black. Yeah. He did. Well, because he was playing that music, and who, who else would play with black uh, 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 disc jockeys? Right. And he sound that way. He had that kind of voice. And he was popping his fingers. Yeah, popping his fingers. And he started saying, rock and roll, rock and roll. He would always sing with the, with the records in between. And then what was that record? Uh, uh, my mind goes into blank sometimes. You know, no, time is catching too. up to me. I'm getting old. What a rock and beat boogie where Yeah, uh, Bill Hale and the Comets. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, that was the first time, because he was playing mostly black music. Yes. And the kids, the other kids in America, the white kids, were sneaking in and trying to listen to their radios under their pillows and everything. Hear this music? That was it was their music. It was something that they can relate to. They couldn't relate to the middle of the road sort of thing their parents did. But this was their kind of thing. This something made them want to pop their fingers. Right. And he really pushed that. And and uh, and he got to the point that. Um, it was revealed who he was, and he coined the phrase rock and roll. 
And then that sparked off the white entertainers uh, to really try to do this kind of music. So you see, that's when rockabilly started. Yes, the country. It's a mixture of black and country. That's right. That's what rockabilly is, a mixture of, of almost spiritual type black and country. And this kind of thing happened, and new sounds started coming out. It wasn't really rhythm and blues. So he gave it an alley, he called it rock and roll. And your career, Anthony, some of the records that you brought out originally, I mean, you must feel great about it 25 years later. They're standards. Well, the relationship that I I think for me, I've had people tell me 1958 was, they loved Tears, they loved Shimmy and all that. But that wasn't the time. The time for me was in 64 when I got to work with Don Costa and oh, Teddy yeah. Randazzo, some of the beautifulest music in the world. It opened a whole sphere for me. It, it taught me, in fact, it put the Imperials and I maybe a little ahead of our time. We were like ahead of everybody yeah. in our presentation. And I've been told by that by many, many of the groups today that, the, I mean, George Harrison was, had all of the records and he would listen. He, he was fascinated that they would use the violins and coordinate that sort of thing. At that time, Dionne Warwick was doing it with, with, with uh, Bert Bacharach and Hal David and Teddy Randazzo and ourselves. And Stan Applebaum with the Drifters. We had only three doing that kind of thing, yeah. see? So that particular time was to me the most exciting, most creative time in, in my life as a performer because it really stretched me. Well, you look so young today. You look so full of, of fervor. You look like a man who's grateful to God for what- I am so grateful to God, I, I can't tell you. You see my gray hair? It's, I don't see any. There's a little <laughs> um, But uh, I'm just very, 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 very blessed to, to, to um, for, for one thing, my mother, I look a lot like her mom. My mom is uh, 70 years old. I mean, one of she's 50. And, uh, and I'm very active. You know, I'm sports and running around and I work out every day. And, and, and uh, I don't know, I just... You're blessed. Yeah. And you go out there on a stage anywhere and you do things like going out of my head and the crowd reaction. What's that do for you? The recognition. Uh, well, my job is to go out and entertain people. So it's not like it's a wish. I wish it'll happen, they'll like me. It, I know how to perform, how to sing. It's my job to go out and put that over and get that audience to, to, to relax and accept the fact and say, hey, he's in control. And I really, you know, that's, that's really it is. It's not a hit or miss when I go out there. So I know if I'm singing well and the band is playing well and everything is well, it's gonna get a great reaction. But I believe that people see that things are well with you and they react to that too. Well. I'm relaxed, sometimes I'm going to sleep out there, but I'm so relaxed on stage, I think there is, a, this, the, the audience senses, I think, that I'm in control, and I am the host of the evening, and I, like, they came out to my house, and I, I like to make them feel like, I've invited you all to my house, so let me, let me entertain you. You are an entertainer. Anthony, I know you have to go on and do a show. I want to thank you for taking this time, well, and may you, you have a long career. Thank you very much. Legends, that's what we're all about at redrobinson.com.